Welcome to another episode of Follow the Brand. I am your host, Grant McGaw, CEO of Five Star BDM, a five-star personal branding and business development company. I want to take you on a journey that takes another deep dive into the world of personal branding and business development using compelling personal stories, business conversations, and tips to improve your personal brand. By listening to the Follow the Brand podcast series, you will be able to differentiate yourself from the competition and allow you to build trust with prospective clients and employers. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. Make it one that will set you apart, build trust, and reflect who you are. Developing your five-star personal brand is a great way to demonstrate your skills and knowledge. If you have any questions for me or my guests, please email me at grant.magaw, spelled M-C-G-A-U-G-H, at 5star BDM, B for brand, D for development, M for masters.com. Now let's begin with our next five-star episode on Follow the Brand. Welcome. I am Grant McGall, CEO of Five Star BDM and host of the Follow the Brand podcast and Follow the Brand TV, where we help you to build a five-star brand that people will follow. Build confidence through experience. Get uncomfortable and ask questions to expand your opportunities with senior leaders, says my next guest, Andre Reed of Jackson Health System. Reed deploys an innovative and progressive thinking mindset that is solution-oriented. He focuses on processes, policies, and procedures as a senior audit and compliance officer. He encourages others on his team through desire and drive and understands that the biggest asset in the world is his people. The best gift you can give another individual is education, says Reed. You can grow your network and resources to gain access to opportunities through exposure. Andre Reed is a diplomatic professional with over 15 years of assurance and advisory experience. Andre demonstrates effectiveness as a leader and working in a team environment. He is experienced in grasping the big picture and incorporating strategic initiatives and the audit plan from a risk-based perspective. Experience in enterprise risk management and continuous monitoring and assurance development, he helps align organizational goals and initiatives with risk identification and management. With an ability to communicate in an effective, assertive manner to all levels of management as well as executive management. With more than five years of international work experience, including working in Europe, North America, Mexico, and Central and South America, coupled with a proven track record in managing a variety of audit assignments and experience with assessing compliance with the Zorbanes Oxley Act. He effectively uses data analysis techniques to provide population systematic value and exploring robotic process automation within the internal audit function to provide management with advisory efficiencies for routine, challenging business processes. Reed's experience in designing 
comprehensive risk-based audit and compliance programs that address an organization's risk impact associated with strategic objectives and initiatives is stellar. Reed earned his undergraduate degree at Florida State University in business and his MBA at the University of Miami School of Business in Healthcare Policy. Let us welcome Andre Reed to the Follow Brand Podcast, where we are building a five-star brand that people will follow. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to 2023. And I love 2023 because it gives me an opportunity to start over, to start things anew and get a good breath of fresh air as we move forward in, in, in our time. And I want to do the first of all, I want to thank each and every one of our healthcare employers, our healthcare executives, our healthcare people who have made the difference and got us through a very, very tough time through COVID and beyond. And because of that, I am dedicating this show to Jackson Health System because they do it right. They've been doing it right for a long time. So we get an opportunity to speak to one of our own, right? Mr. Andre Reed. Mr. Andre Reed will come to us. We're going to have a good conversation because I believe Andre Reed has what I call exact And I love to say that because when I meet Andre, man, that's what I get from him. I, I, I feel comfortable. I feel good when I when I'm talking to him. And I feel like we can we can get to a real conversation. That is what we're going to do for for our audience today. So Andre, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, good afternoon, uh, Grant. Uh, Grant. Um, thank you for the opportunity for being on the show. Again, my name is Andre Reed. I'm the Senior Vice President of Compliance and Audit of Jackson Health System and also the Chief Audit Executive for the health system. I've been with Jackson now, I want to say March of this year will be 12 years. Um, surprisingly, the time went by so fast, I guess, when we're having a lot of fun, but it's uh, been a great experience. I've been at Jackson since the turnaround era back in 2011 um, when the organization wasn't doing so great. And then we had a uh, change in leadership and great people to work with here at Jackson. We're doing great things in the community uh, beyond just providing health care, but also doing a lot of outreach programs. So great to be a part of the organization and a great uh, feeling to, you know, having uh, input and impact in terms of what we're, our mission is all about within the organization. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I want to turn the dial back in time. I want to talk to Andre when he was 10 or 11 years old. I want to understand what you were thinking at that time. What was impactful to you? What made you choose healthcare over time as a profession? Okay, um, back to 10 years old. So I, I came and migrated from Jamaica at the age of 10 in 1989. Um, resided in Miami, went to Parkway Elementary, um, Northern Middle, North CI, and eventually transferred to North Miami Beach CI. I always excelled in math. Um, I was anything in regards to solving problems, math, I love puzzles and different things like that. I always excelled. My, my parents were entrepreneurs, they had businesses. And I remember my parents' accountant, a uh, guy by the name of Ralph Sanchez. And he always used to come by, come to the office, come to the house. And this guy always driving a nice BMW. And I was like, man, when I grow up, I want a BMW. I'm like, he's an accountant. And I said, that's what I'm thinking about doing. But I always was into sports. I played sports throughout high school, college. Um, and I remember a career day in fifth grade. 
uh, teacher came up to me and she said, you should be an accountant. And like you said, Garth, I mean, certain things people say and mention to you at one point in time kind of resonate. And that kind of stuck with me over time. And I, I went from being the kid that just purely focused on athleticism and I wanted to probably make it to the NBA one day. And I, I really became a student athlete. Like I focused on academics. I was in a dance program, which is a gifted program. I remember when I first started middle school, the summer before middle school, I went to North Miami Beach senior high as a 12 year old. Wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I was in, I was in, I was actually taking algebra at the age of 12, 13. And by the time I got to high school, I had enough credits to graduate as a junior, but I had to stay an extra year because I had to take my fourth year of English and also civics and government. Um, so I, I really excelled in school, um, but I was an athlete as well. I went to college, um, majored in accounting and finance, dual major. Um, then I also interned a lot um, with the banking industry. Um, that was a consideration. I was thinking about going to banking and finance, but at the end of the day, I was like, uh, an accounting degree actually trumps a uh, finance degree because an accountant could do what a finance person could do, but a finance person necessarily can't do what an accountant could do. So I, I left college. I went and worked at PricewaterhouseCoopers for two years. Um, fast forward a little bit, uh, went and worked for Deutsche Post World Net, which owns DHL. So I did a lot of international traveling for a year and a half and went to Royal Caribbean um, hospitality industry. I worked in corporate services, but audit and advisory services uh, for three years. And in 2011, that's when I ended up at Jackson. Um, and how I got here was basically a former colleague that I worked with at Royal Caribbean. She came on board here and she mentioned there was opportunity as it was turning around and different things were going around. And I'm sure a lot of folks may remember the bad news of Jackson back in 2011 where the hospital was losing millions of dollars and on the brink of closing the doors. And when I made the decision to come on board here, my parents and everybody thought I was a little bit crazy I'm leaving a public uh, organization such as Royal Caribbean to come to Jackson. But I always said there's opportunity in turmoil. And sometimes for me, I felt like I was taking a, a step back to take two steps forward. And it was never my intentions. I, sh I would say to mentally envision myself of being the senior vice president of audit and compliance when I first got here. But one thing is, was always, you know, kept me, I, I guess, you know, progressing through life is always putting my best foot forward. I always make sure I, I put 100 percent. Um, I stay later, I work harder. And I mean, those same work ethics from like playing sports transition into my, my career world. And then one of the most important thing is a lot of mentors and have a lot of constituents within the field that you're trying to actually master and trying to understand and become a student. And so I have a lot of mentors that reach out to me older and younger because you can learn from different individuals and networking. I attend a lot of networking functions. I'm a part of a lot of different organizations, especially in the audit world, um, especially in South Florida. Like all accountants know everybody in South Florida. So I'm a part of the Institute of Internal Auditors. I'm part of the Association of Healthcare Internal Auditors and also part of uh, ASACA as well. I don't attend all the meetings, but I try to attend some of the meetings when I can. Um, and now recently in March of last year, um, migrating into the role of a compliance as well. I'm a part of uh, HCCA as well. So um, I, I try to make myself available to a lot of different organizations and people where I can learn from 
especially when you're trying to embark on a certain journey, um, it's always good to network with those folks that's been down those paths before you. And that's one of the main reasons I'm here today, given the opportunity by you, Grant, is to speak to the younger audience, you know, um, hopefully I could like shed some light and some positive words and direction and where you want to go from a career standpoint. But I, I would say the biggest thing in life is always networking with individuals um, because at the end of the day, your network is your network. You couldn't even say that better. And, and people have heard these things, but you have to apply them because when you start to apply them, you gain confidence. And I'm sure as you went through your time, as you look back through like that journey, you know, even before you got the Jackson, then you got the Jackson, and it's been another 10 years, the points, challenging points in your career in which you had to really reevaluate your confidence and how to move things even forward. How would you give someone advice that had a career or wants a career similar to yours and in the way that they can gain that confidence to to move forward. Oh man, you, you gotta have yourself a supporting cast. I should definitely say that, and people who that encourages you. And, and the funny thing, I mean, we're talking now, but I used to always consider myself an introvert. Mm-hmm. And a, a lot of folks was like, "Nah, you're not an introvert." And I remember the first time that I had to present at a board meeting, and. It's, it's like they say, when you see a duck on top of the water, he's moving real still, but under the water, the feet are like that. And like the, your nerves and your stomachs, you know, everything start turning. But um, I, I would say it just over time and repetition, the more you, you network, I should say, in general, and have organic relationships with individuals and just get out and speak with individuals, um, the more you start feeling comfortable in, in different settings. And one of the main things I've learned from attending like different um, training material materials in regards to like um, how you uh, basically deal with people. I, w- I would say it's like um, leadership development of anything. Like when you when you the hardest part of, I guess, any job is is the people aspect. It's not necessary. You could teach somebody technical skills. But like having IQ is very important um, in regards to how you deal with different people from different personalities. I mean, I've read several different books coming through my career, um, such as um, uh, Dale Carnegie, How to um, Win Friends and Influence People. Um, And also the other ones is um, finding like common ground within a room when you meet with individuals as well. Like in in my early part of my career, when I worked at PwC, one of the things is, and I, and I would say it's very beneficial, we worked on so many different clients and met so many different people that I was basically, every week or every month, I was at a different organization. I'm, I'm sitting in front of an executive. So that level of exposure kind of brought some level of comfort to me. And and you got to think about it. Those same individuals that are actually in those higher positions at one point in time in their career, they were you. So they're looking at you at, at some point in time. And Sometimes you just got to be you and have conversations and you may look at something in a room and find a common ground and build a conversation around that. Um, And confidence, you just got to stay persistent. I mean, everybody's not built the same in regards to confidence. Some of us, uh, like I mentioned before, introvert, but over time when you become comfortable and you craft your skills and you just get out there, speak to people, ask questions, always tell anyone, no question is a stupid question. Just ask questions. And at the end of the day, you never know who that person may be. They may be able to help you out. An opportunity comes up 
And at the end of the day, everybody puts on their clothes the same way when they get up in the morning. <laughs> and, and at some point in time, we all started from somewhere to get to where we're going. But I mean, along the way, somebody always there to help you out. And that's what I mentioned before earlier, that somebody's always watching. And if you're doing something and somebody see that you're genuinely, you know, trying to grow and trying to go somewhere, somebody is always lending a healthy hand. I, I would say that. I love that, how you said that. And I've heard that. And we, that's how we come together. That's what that word called community, right? And then those, those peer groups. And if you put yourself in the right frameworks, in really the right mindsets, then you find yourself in the right situations at the right time uh, as you move, move things forward. Now, you classified yourself a little earlier. You had expertise in the world of numbers and mathematics, and you start looking into finance and you start looking into accounting. And then you saw, you know, as you got older, I mean, you had some adaptness to this in which you had in your particular brand that you were adept. You're probably a little bit better than your average 12 year old in those areas when you were 12. And you began to, you continue to compound on that and move it forward. How would you describe yourself in that area is like finance, accounting, auditing is your brand. How did how did you how would you establish yourself as an expert in that field? Oh man, it, it, it's so funny when it comes to finance and accounting and numbers. Um, when when I was in college, it was two directions you could take once you were in the accounting program: either audit or tax, and I, I shot away from tax like that. That was not me because I didn't want to sit behind a computer and crunch numbers all day because I like to get out. I was a very outgoing type of person, out personality. And like I was an introvert, but I was outgoing at the same time. And I also love, as I mentioned before, like puzzles, like solving problems. So I looked at the auditing route from that perspective because it could be financial audit, it could be operational audit, it could be IT audits. And right now, I mean, I cover that entire spectrum from me from a compliance audit standpoint um in regards honing your skills and becoming an expert i would say you got to have a lot of innovation innovative and progressive thinking in regards to being um solution oriented um so a lot of times we're faced with challenges and problems that that were never solved before and you got to try to figure it out i mean from day one, when I started working at Jackson, any other organization and executives come up there, we have a problem. We can't figure this out. We're going to bring in a consultant. And I was like, you know, give us an opportunity. We'll figure it out. I actually do a lot of data analytics with my team as well. And I've been doing analytics myself for, man, I want to say 15 years. Started with uh, ACL, IDEA now, and then in Excel as well. So it's always about being progressive and honing your skills and learning from others as well. And then also, you know, testing, you know, what degree of, of level in regards to knowledge you, you have by networking. So I attend a lot of training events, ask questions, uh, roundtable events at an executive level right now and see, OK, what are folks in my industry doing right now? to address a particular problem or is there a solution out there? And a lot of times I use that to kind of test 
to see it as a measuring stick. Where are we as an organization? What are we doing and figuring out certain things? Um, because, for example, I respond to a lot of things that's from an industry perspective that may be a challenge to organization. Like, for example, how do we monitor and track like uh, drug diversion or preemptive analysis and looking at things in a wide scale system like Jackson? And we came up with a tool that it took us one year to build. And this is based off a report from the OIG that they did an investigation in the northern part of the United States. And we said, hey, we're going to figure this out in-house. And we've got raving reviews from folks outside of the organization and also executives that has been in the industry 30 plus years and from building tool. And I, and I mean, I pride myself on that. But at the end of the day, I want to say myself because it starts with a team. I have a very brilliant team. And one of the things we, so we talked about in instilling confidence in individuals and I, and I make sure I'm very good at that is putting my team on a platform. So whenever we have a success story and we basically accomplish a significant feed of project, I make sure I put them on the platform. They were a part of the project. They played a key role in the project because at the end of the day, without them, there's no me. So that that is very important. So when I say, yeah, I may become an expert or uh, a subject matter uh, expert or innovator in a particular area. It wasn't a soul thinking just on my own, but it was input from other individuals and having conversations and putting pieces to the puzzle to try to figure things out. I love that. You know, that, that the collaborative teamwork. And I think it, that is a, a strategy that a lot of people are deploying now. It's not the one man army. It's the, how do we create collaboration with teams, take titles, off and just let's get together and brainstorm and, and think through these things. And then we, we try them as, as a, as a collective and then we win as a collective. I, I like that. And I wanted to ask one of the things that I have found a lot of different individuals and, and executives is that they have a, a belief system. They have a framework and everything they do that they're, whether it's their thoughts or their activities, and they're visioning it's in a it's in a framework or a belief system. How, how how do you believe about how you should live your life and conduct the work that you do? Oh man. <laughs> For me in general, I, I, I keep it very simple. I call it three L's. I live, love, and laugh. Like um and it's funny enough, I mean folks always ask me, like, you don't seem stressed. And I and I honestly say I don't I don't know what stress is because if there's a problem and you can fix it, you figure it out. If you can't figure it out, I mean, it'll just blow over. You just got to keep on chugging along. And I, at the end of the day, you also got to love what you do. And you got to give 100%. And one of my, my biggest things, and it's not necessarily pertaining to me as an individual, but you got to also be willing to help and also treat and respect others as well treat others with respect. I mean, that's very important. And it goes back to what I said earlier. Somebody's always watching to see how you treat people. And for me as a leader, I always tell my team, at the end of the day, I want to be the leader that I wanted to have when I was coming up through the ranks. So that that is so important because in life, the tables do turn at, at some point in time because I've been in situations, the director that hired me when I came to Jackson um, in this later part in his career, I want to say five years later after he left, he started reaching out to me for a lot of advice. And I was like, man, the student becomes a teacher at some point in time. And But, but it's life, though. I mean, I have those conversations with my fathers as well. But they say iron, sharp iron. But I said, one always going to get dull. 
and one's going to end up getting sharp at the end of the day. So it's always you just you just got to live life, you know, with, with gratitude. And at the same time, you know, you treat everybody with respect the same way you want to be treated because everything always comes full circle and full full. So if, if you put good out there, good will always come back. This episode is brought to you by Five Star BDM. Five Star BDM is a professional consulting and advisory group keenly focused on business development services for small to mid-sized businesses and entrepreneurs. Although every business is unique, they often share challenges that can be addressed through smart branding. Services include process improvement in operations, digital strategy and transformation, business intelligence, digital marketing, and personal branding. Our five-star business and personal branding company has helped a number of professionals and organizations to optimize and grow. The result is more business, more opportunities, better reach, positive outcomes. Please visit www.5starbdm.com to learn more and view all the episodes of Follow the Brand. I love that. And, and but let's piggyback on that. We're talking about passion and, and energy and that how how that's a part you know, of your brand. I want to ask you this because you know you're working at Jack. Jackson is a trauma center. People are coming in the doors broken. They they've gone through some trauma. They've gone through some things and they're looking to you to 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 help them and a lot of times you're seeing people probably come to that door they look just like you and and you gotta you know put your best foot forward you've got to do the things that that go probably above and beyond at, at times you know what in your life do, how would you define that for you your passing your energy how do you keep it going in 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 times of struggle like that I would say, I think the biggest word that comes to mind is empathy. You got to emphasize, empathize with individuals when you see them coming in the hospital because people don't want to be in the hospital because they want to be here. It's because something happened. Um, it could be them. It could be a loved one. So you, you got to basically consider and look at them as a family member at the end of the day. Like, how would you want somebody to treat you at a time where you probably distraught or you're you're in a situation where you don't know what the outcome may be and you got to empathize, you got to have patience. And, and at the end of the day, always got to lend a helping hand. Like just walking across the campus, we have a very big campus, very confusing campus. And you can see when folks are late to appointment, they look frantic, they're looking around, they're trying to figure things out. But I, I would say one of the biggest things our leadership of the organization is always emphasize is patient first patient first, visitors first. So for example, if you're going to a meeting and you're going to be late and a patient need assistance, always help that patient first, because at the end of the day, you got to think about what is that person thinking, how you're feeling. So there's a lot of human aspects that goes into it and it makes you have a lot more humility and, you know, and grace when you deal with people at the end of the day, because people are going through a lot of stuff, you know, within the hospital setting outside in the world. So you got to have empathy, emphasize with folks. And, you know, listen, a lot of times, sometimes folks need to listen here. You just listen a lot of times. And even beyond just the community at Jackson serve, um, it, it's a very uh, it's a very rough 
area um, on the serve community. And sometimes I, I eat lunch on campus and you see folks come, mothers with children and, you know, basically saying they don't have any money and anything like that. And I always try to basically do whatever I can. I could be walking with a cup of coffee I just bought. And if somebody said, hey, I haven't had breakfast, even walking by the bus stop, I just give it to them because at the end of the day, I could always go get another cup of coffee. But you don't know what that person may need. And they're probably on their last leg. So at the end of the day, you always got to, like I mentioned, you got to put good out. And it will always come back. So having an empathy and, you know, having grace and considering like the small things in life is very important. And I always tell people the biggest asset in our world is our people at the end of the day. Yes. That's the asset, asset, asset in the world we have is people. Well, I said hearing that, I had no problem going into Jackson Hell, knowing that that is part of the culture. That's part of the culture and that. We're giving you the best possible care, no matter if you're clinical or, or not. You understand why people are there. People, like you said, don't go to the hospital because they, they want to be there. They're there because they're, they're at a vulnerable point. And, um, when you're, you know, you're at a vulnerable point, you want whoever can, can help you to, to, to come to your aid. Now, in your role, you're in administration. And you're doing a particular function for that, for the hospital administration that will impact patient care. Help my under, audience understand compliance and audit. What, what, does, what does that function do within the hospital? And how do you, within your role, how, how do you engage and become more of an expert in that field? Okay, I, I will try to put it in a simplest layman terms form because when you speak compliance or audit, you could have a, a very long conversation that goes down a rabbit hole. So um, when it comes to audit and compliance, it's basically you want to ensure and evaluate that organization is doing what it's supposed to be doing from a mission and objective standpoint. Um, and then that goes down to a very granular level um, from an operational perspective financial perspective and compliance and regulatory perspective. So from an operational standpoint, my team is basically look at processes, um, looking at um, policies associated with those processes, um, external requirements from a compliance and uh, regulatory standpoint, things that we should be doing like um, protecting um, health information, um, looking at things, looking at from a PCI perspective, payment credit card transactions, because over time, uh, we transition from actual cash in hand processes to now credit card information. So that used to be a, like a big focus on the banking side, but like all industries is facing that. And I mean, bringing some of the expertise from other industry was very valuable as well. And I think that that's one of the benefits from me working in so many different industries and coming to healthcare. I bring some of those different ideas because they always say healthcare is behind when it comes from a technology standpoint compared to other industries. But um, from a financial perspective, one of the biggest things and the biggest, um, I want to say compliance risk and compliance, I mean, in healthcare is uh, false claims, mm -hmm. meaning that, you know, uh, false claims, false billing and different things like that. Um, trying to commit fraud against the government. Nobody likes the, the F word fraud. But um, one of the things we look at, and it could be intentional or unintentional, we look at billing, we look at uh, documentation, coding, um, charge capture, um, and we hammer a lot of different things based on new rules that come out just to make sure that the organization understands, first and foremost, the, the, the requirements around those rules. 
and that we have processes in place and technology and people are trained properly to basically carry out those requirements around those rules while still, you know, providing patient care and delivering the best service that we can to the community. And then we also have IT areas as well that we look at, um, which is very huge, making sure the right people are actually within the system accessing the different softwares and applications within the system that may have um, uh, may have sensitive information around it, such as patient care information, um, looking at different things that relate to cybersecurity risk as well, um, just to make sure like even our third party vendors, you know, that they, are, they have the property con proper controls in place to basically, I want to say mitigate, but not necessarily prevent, but, you know, mitigate any harm to patient information that we do that may leave our system and go into that vendor's environment. So it's, it's pretty vast. We do a lot of education and training as well on the compliance side as well. And I think that's the most important aspect because, you know, the regulatory world is forever changing so much. And you got to stay abreast of different things that's going on. And a lot of times we may not have the expertise in-house. So we bring on third-party vendors to basically assist us in carrying out some of those education and also some of the work that we do as well. So it's always keeping your pulse um, on the organization and, and, you know, trying to figure out what's going on and what's turning the wheel. And I think what's most important about that is the value you provide. And I mean, audit and compliance is not a revenue generating function per se. Um, and we don't necessarily direct directly impact the bottom line of the organization, but um, from a mitigating and preventative standpoint, we may identify opportunities from an operational perspective or compliance standpoint that may lead to down, down the road uh, impact indirectly in regards to from a cost perspective, cost saving perspective, and also a revenue enhancement opportunity as well. And even from a compliance standpoint in regards to our IT um, IT systems, our IT environment in terms of like how we protect um, the patient information, how we protect uh, the, the network internally as well. So it, it's, it's a lot to cover and I, I don't think 30 minutes. No, no, you're just getting at I, an intersection of health. I see healthcare. I hear finance, I hear cybersecurity from an information technology standpoint, and you're making sure the compliance is, is there. Like I said, there's fraud, there's the things you're dealing with the uh, with uh, Medicaid, Medicare payments, all kinds of insurance. So you, you're, you're staying in that whole world. I got to keep you up a little bit. You keep keeps the wheels turning. Um, it, it, it does. Uh, it does. Um, but I think the most important part is having the right team. I have an excellent team of individuals around me that I would consider them the subject expert, subject expert in what they're doing, whether it's IT auditing, operational auditing, clinical auditing, compliance auditing, or, or anything related to different audits in general. Um, for example, we embarked on a 10-year capital program, I want to say eight years, well, nine years ago. And we didn't have the expertise to provide a technical oversight on a lot of those capital programs, which is close to like $2 billion in construction work. But uh, we were able to hire on and bring on a consultant that assisted us with a preemptive approach. So not doing the traditional things after something happened, we come back and audit a year later. And when it, the, the boat's already sailed, but we're doing concurrent type reviews. And I also work with the Office of Inspector General, local Miami chapter just to make sure, let them know that, hey, in the past, 
there were issues in the past, but, you know, we have a different approach and a proactive approach in terms of how we look at things in my leadership role and my, my whole methodology in terms of how I approach things is like, you know, more real time looking at things and not necessarily wait until something happened. Then, you know, it's a year down the road and now we're struggling, to, like, for example, to get a reimbursement of like overpayments and different issues like that, because, I mean, the ships already sell. So we've been working with a lot of different things. And I, I realized as a leader, I don't know everything. And if we don't have the expertise in-house, we have to bring somebody else in to assist us. And I'm big on knowledge transfer as well. So that's one of my biggest things when we do have consultants come on is to make sure that they transfer that knowledge to the folks internally. That's very important. It's very important so that you're not only seeing them do the work, but then you understand the work that's being done. So then you can be able to do the work yourself. I think that's so important. This last question I'm going to ask you, and then we're going to conclude. I want you to be able to talk to that 12-year-old that you used to be and remember those some keywords, meaning sometimes, especially when you're young, you could be going into middle school, maybe. Maybe you're going in, in in the high school. Maybe you're, you know, you're hanging out with certain crowds. You're doing certain things because that's what's on the table. You know, you want to get into sports. You want to drive cars. You want to do certain things in life. And maybe you just don't think you have, you know, we hear all the time that people are like, man, you know, when it comes to math and science and things like that, I just, you know, that's just not my thing. Maybe they look down upon that. But however, I think we all, we talked about this earlier, that we all hear a couple of words. A couple of phrases, maybe it's a sentence, maybe it's a paragraph that just rings true, that allows you to then to believe that you too can can be be more than what you are right now. Can you elaborate on that? Hey man, the words that come to mind uh, is two words: is, is never give up. Because uh, one of one of the things I look at is is my parents. My parents. Migrated here from Jamaica when I was two years old, and I lived with my grandparents until I was ten. Then I came here, and I had siblings that was actually born here. My sister and myself, and my parents probably had high school education, so I was the first college grad in my immediate family. So it's just like setting the tone. And then my my sister's three years younger than me. She came right after, and she's a CPA as well. So and but now she runs her own state farm agency in the, in Atlanta and I have a younger sister and she's a doctor now uh, of, of dentistry. So it, it, it goes to show that, you know, no matter where you're coming from, if you have the drive and desire to be something in this world, you could be whatever you want to be. And and that goes back to like somebody's always watching and you just got to surround yourself with the right supporting cast and the right people. And you could get where you want to go. Life, life is a journey, and 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 it's not a it's not a race. You got to slowly chip away at it. And one of the biggest things I tell a lot of young mentees when I have conversation with them, especially today's generation, is all about instant gratification. They want to get there. They want to get there. And I was like, you never take the elevator to the top. Take the stairs because you want to see everything on each floor. Because the fall from grace, when you approach something that you have not experienced. It's, it's very, it's very quick. So it, it, I'm, I'm pretty, and I think like I'm in between because I, I was raised with a lot of old school type of beliefs and teaching and different things, but I can also relate to, to the new school as well. So I'm like in the middle. So I try to bridge that gap as much as possible and have conversations um, because like you mentioned, like we all want certain things and aspire for certain things and some things may be material 
opportunistic to others and some things may not. Um, we all we all have something that drives and, and ticks us differently. And I mean, a lot of young folks, they may see you in a nice car that knew me when I was growing up. They were like, hey, you still playing basketball? I'm like, nah. I'm like, you could do a lot more in life to, to be successful and, you know, get certain things in life other than just sports and, you know, go to college, you know, network with individuals, have conversation. Because I, w- I would say one of the biggest things in a misconception, a lot of times when I talk to folks is they don't realize you have so much resource and opportunity to, to in front of you if you just get the right conversation with the right individual. And I mean, the, the best gift you could give somebody at the end of the day in this world is education. Mm-hmm. Once you educate a person and they could figure things out and have access to certain things, I mean, the, the sky's the limit from there. Because, I mean, for me, looking at the 12-year-old kid, and I look back, I'm like, man, wow. It's like, I want to say you made it, but you're on your way. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I, I don't like to use the word success at the end of the day because I'm like, you know, I'm going to continue on a journey and just keep chipping away. But at the same time, along that journey, I try to help others as I as I go at the end of the day, because, I mean, that's how I'm in this position, because individuals along the way have helped me, whether, you know, having a conversation with me and he said maybe one word that kind of changed the trajectory and how I think or maybe he put me in a certain opportunity or recommended something to me. And expose me to different things. Life is about exposure at the end of the day. And that's how you learn different things. No, you said it right. Exposure, exposure, expose yourself to different people, different environments, different situations. You will learn. And you're like, wow, because it's going to be different from what you perceive it to be. And and that's what's so important. So if if the audience would like to get in contact with you, Andre, what, what is the best way? Um, the best way they could reach me at, I, I mean, my work email is public anyways. Um, Andre, A-N-D-R-E dot read, R-E-I-D at J-H-S Miami dot org. Um, or I'm on LinkedIn, Andre Reed. Um, they could find me there. And I, and I guess before we depart, uh, there was one other thing I wanted to mention. Um, and, and, it, and it resonates. And like when you when you're growing and you're going through growth, one of the most important things is to realize that you're going to be uncomfortable mm-hmm. and you're going to be challenged. And if, you, if you're not challenged and you're not having sleepless nights, that, that means you're not growing because you have to go through those things to grow. And one of the biggest things, I remember there was a guy that worked here named Ed Odell, who was a part of the communications department. And, and I went and spoke with a group of kids from, um, from, uh, Lomo, Florida Memorial. Yeah. Uh, and we and we talked about, you know, preparations meet opportunity. And in and, and life, you got to always prepare yourself. And it's like they said, you always got to have a tool belt because at the end of the day, you don't know which tool you may need when an opportunity presents itself. And even when you're in a certain circle about networking, at the end of the day, and be genuine with people because a lot of times when you, the, the whole saying about fake it till you make it, a lot of people could read through it because we, we've all been there. Yeah. Yeah. No, all of those things are important. You helped me earlier when you said that some of the episodes that you have listened to on the follow the brand, I mean, the other guests have given you some, some enlightenment, some knowledge and some wisdom in certain ways and so I want to encourage the entire audience to make sure that they tune in to all the episodes on Follow the Brand. 
And they can tune into my episodes at www.5starbdm. That is B for brand, D for development, and for masters.com. So until next time, Mr. Reed, I will see you very, very soon. No, thank you, Grant. And I really appreciate what you're doing and I echo what you said earlier before we started. You're really making a difference with this platform and, and just from viewing the different individuals from the different aspects with the healthcare from a from administrations to operations and different things, you learn so much. And it's beyond just from an industry and a technical standpoint, but there's gems in a lot of those communication and conversation that you have with individuals that may impact a lot of individuals out there that's listening. I thank you very much. I thank you very much, Andre. And we will continue these conversations because it's important. It brings the community together. And that's how we all get better together. So thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Grant. Absolutely. Yeah.